Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And today, let's see. We're going to talk about the Tesla Plaid event. I feel like I've got a lot of thoughts on that and what oh, yeah. Elon tweeted before and all the announcements and the car itself. But also, we've got Windows 11 leaks and everyone's favorite social media platform, Making a Watch. Maybe a Facebook watch. No, Might have some rants about that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, first, though, Adam found this really cool website, and it's ranks the most used internet browsers. And at first I was like, cool, I, I'm gonna know everything this says. Okay. But I was actually like really surprised by some of the results. Yeah, and you mentioned this to me and I'm trying to figure out what you mean yeah, by yeah. that. So first I wanna just say, it, it, you can check it out in a couple different ways. You can like do based on desktop or mobile or everything like that. But if we're just assuming all platforms here, what if you had to guess, what do you think is the most popular internet browser? Okay, is this worldwide? Worldwide. Worldwide, all platforms most use internet browser. So mm -hmm. just the way I think about that is when you said most use internet browser, I'm like, what's everyone's default on their phone? Yep, that's what I and think And most of. people on the iPhone are using Safari. and But there's way more Android phones, and I guess most of those are using Chrome. And then desktop, desktop might be a little bit of an odd one to predict because there's a lot of people using older browsers who just don't mm -hmm. care. Um, so, okay, most... We're going Popular. worldwide, all platforms. Worldwide number one, yeah. I would guess, is Chrome. Okay. Thanks to Android. Number two, I would guess, is Safari because of the iPhone. Okay. Do you want to guess number three real quick? That's a tough one. Third um, is actually really close between so a couple, but... I, I only know so many browsers. I know about Firefox, and I know about Opera, and I know about some older ones like Maxthon and there's even some privacy focus like Brave browser and things like that. You're missing one really obvious. One. I mean, Internet Explorer okay. and Edge 
exist because people just use the default on Windows? Yeah. Or does that make it number three? I mean, I guess it still gets a use case, so it still gets used. And, yeah. uh, and like you said, it's a default. Maybe it is number three. I'm going to go uh, Internet Explorer. Okay. Number three. Well, we're going to call it Edge because Internet Explorer is okay. not really a thing anymore. Right. Um, yeah, you're right. But... Do you want to go ahead and open up that link? Okay, in yeah, there? I finally get to <laughs> open it up because I think you may be surprised at the percentages of it. Ooh, this is sixty-four percent Chrome. Wow, eighteen percent not... Safari, and then Edge is all the way down at three point three seven, followed by Firefox three point three six, and then Samsung Internet and Opera around three and two. Wow, is now is that because thought, of the dominance of Android? So, worldwide? like, I was trying to figure this out, and it is cool. Well, in a second, we're going to go down and we're going to click through a couple of these different. Um, there's like you can sort oh. it by just desktop. Just, oh, I want to do that. And and one was the tablet one is really interesting. So, my, I was trying to think of this. My first thought was like you said, there are way more Androids in the world, and I just as a Pixel user, I'm just assuming it's Chrome as the default. But mm -hmm. then I see over here Samsung Internet. So is Samsung Samsung Internet is the default oh, internet yeah. browser for Samsung phones, right? True. And so you kind of can't count it as, while I'm sure a lot of people, especially listening to this podcast, probably install Chrome on their Samsung phone. I know I used to. I bet a lot. Of, I bet the majority of them are using Samsung Internet. Right, and is that a, does that not fall under Chrome then? Even if it's like no. Chromium based, it would be like Samsung Internet. I mean, I don't know enough about it, but I'm assuming if it's listed here, it's probably okay. its own thing. Okay. Um, wow. I, I was just surprised at how, because of how many iPhones and because of how many Macs there are and because of how many iPads there are, I thought Safari would be at least like 30% in second place. I mean, I thought it would be way closer. Yeah, 18% of worldwide is pretty good, but I would expect a little higher from all those iPhones. And, and I iPads. also definitely expected Edge to be higher because it's just the yeah. default on all Windows systems. So that means, I mean, if that doesn't tell you how bad Edge is or how little confidence people have in Internet Explorer, which is now Edge, I don't know what to tell you anymore because there's obviously more than 3% of the market share of Windows computers yeah. out there. Um, the the tablet one is interesting. The tablet one's the coolest. The uh, tablet one has a chart. They all have a chart, and I found this interesting because currently we have Chrome at 46%. Safari at 40% um, for tablets. Mm -hmm. But the chart has a history where Safari was at 50%. Oh, I didn't actually look at that. And has crossed under and lost and conceded first place Very to Chrome. Very recently, March, like yeah. two months ago. So that that's pretty interesting. But and again, is that because iPads have stopped growing and you've just gotten more and more random Android tablets out there in the world running Chrome? Or are they just switching to Chrome on the iPad? I don't know. My guess would be that iPad is just dominated for so long. That's why it was ahead. And now, like you said, I don't know if iPad sales are growing as fast as Android sales are because lots of people haven't found an Android tablet that they love and more yeah. and more are coming out and more and more have potential to be a good Android tablet, whereas we've had a great Apple tablet for so long. Yeah. Um, it does. I am a little surprised when you go to mobile. Mobile still is like, I thought Safari would be higher, but I guess this is worldwide. If we switch, you can switch this to US. Yeah, in the US, I bet it's way higher. Let's see. So I go to mobile and then I go to United States of America. Safari goes ahead, 54%. There you go. So yeah. that would that would that would literally just be a count of like most people on the iPhone using Safari as their default. Lots of people use Chrome on the iPhone, by the way. But yeah. just the overall default you can expect to dominate. And then Chrome being 
Uh, that's going to be a lot of people on Android phones. Shout out to Samsung Internet pulling in third place at 4.5%. There it is. <laughs> it's in its own category. Followed by Firefox and Opera pulls up a half a percent. So I guess so. when you if you switch to desktop br- browser, Edge does go up to 11%. So I guess that makes more sense before we were including yeah. uh, mobile platforms. I still think that feels low, which is pretty surprising. Um, oh, wait, that's 11% in just us man there's so many options you can do i kind of wish i could pick every single thing that wasn't the us and base it on that <laughs> remove the oh, US. edge globally on desktop edge is only eight percent not even ten percent i'm i'm happy about that yeah that's right <laughs> i was safari thinking safari isn't even ten percent when you initially asked me what's the most popular browser i immediately went oh my god it's probably internet explorer it's probably edge it's oh. probably number one because people just don't have you know there's tons of people out there who don't change but there are way more mobile users of internet browsers out there, period. There's lots yeah. of people who have phones that don't have a desktop or a I laptop. I think this really just shows that. And it always, yeah. I always know it, but it always surprises me that how big that percentage is. And um, I think one last thing I want to say on here is as a Firefox user, it kills me to see Edge above Firefox. Mm. And makes, a, makes me feel like a little hipster. Or it's an enthusiast like browser. Which I don't get why I use it because I wouldn't consider myself the enthusiast that would take advantage of it. But my boss, when I did IT, just also used it. So I just started using it and I've loved it since then. And uh, yeah, kind of sad to see it so low. But Have you tried Chrome on desktop? You just don't want yeah, it? Yeah, no, I used to use Chrome all the time. Yeah. I just, I think it came to a point where my boss was using it and I was just watching my RAM just get eaten by Chrome. I don't know if that's a f- fixed or just still like a meme. I know I see the meme all the time. But... It's still half true. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, Firefox has just worked really well for me. So I've just gotten used to it and kept using. Word. Well, speaking of. Yeah, this is too hard of a segue. Speaking of huge companies making products that not everybody wants. Speaking of the Facebook watch. Have you heard about the Facebook watch? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, there is a rumor. I'll just just to just to give some background to people. There's this is literally just a rumor. I don't think there's any uh, official information. There's not really any much f- credible leaks. But there's a rumor that Facebook may be working on a smartwatch mm-hmm. uh, with some cameras in it. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I mean, why Two wouldn't cameras. it? Why wouldn't it have a camera? Two in cameras it? and a Facebook smartwatch. So you remember Facebook Portal, right? Yes. Okay. That I mean, Facebook's reputation. Uh, as a social network is one thing, but Facebook's reputation as a company is not the best, especially when it comes to privacy and oh, yeah. information it's and data. Arguably, and all that the stuff. worst when it comes to privacy. Yeah, it's, it's not great. Yeah, it's not great. So when you hear Facebook making a smartwatch, that uh, they they did actually try to make a smartphone a couple years ago. By the way, the ChaCha. It it was with HTC. Why do I not remember it? It was awful. It, there's no reason to remember it. I'm not shocked that you don't I mean, remember it. It's called the cha-cha. Let's be It was real. one of the fastest discontinued products of all time. I think I might have made a video about like the fastest discontinued products before the cha-cha, and this like took the throne. Really? Yeah, it That's was like amazing. three months or something crazy like that. But um, yeah, I wasn't shocked when that failed. But when you hear Facebook, okay, they might make a smartwatch, you think, okay, it's kind of along the same lines of like an unnecessary piece of hardware. It's an accessory to an Android phone. Why would I want the Facebook version? Mm-hmm. And then the one fact that just keeps getting attached to this smartwatch rumor is that it might have cameras on it. I'm reading a little bit right now. It says, camera on the front uh, exists primarily for video calling while a 1080p autofocus camera on the back. What is the back of a watch? 
first of all. Um, it can be used for capturing footage when detached from the stainless steel frame on the wrist. So literally the back. So you would, you would I don't know about shoot this. video like this? <laughs> I can't. What? I cannot wait to see people <laughs> walking around in like doors place. That's really the their back? <laughs> holding their watch <laughs> I, straps, <laughs> trying to take photos of things. I I'll, imagined, okay, I imagined for the for the audio only listeners, I imagined it's on your wrist and the top of the watch that mm -hmm. faces away from you would be like your camera to face away from you and you take yeah. videos of, of people. O almost like you, uh, like the Sony mirrorless cameras where you can flip the screen up vertically so you're looking down on it while it's yeah. facing forward. So it's a 90 degree angle from the view you're looking at. Yeah. That would make sense. It would make sense functionally. It's just stupid anyway because no one would use yeah. it. <laughs> you can, by the way, use the Apple Watch as a viewfinder for your iPhone. Mm -hmm. So you can open the camera app on the watch and it literally just opens the camera on the iphone and you can use it as a viewfinder and can you tap shutter on that yeah and you can shutter on the watch That's and it'll, it'll awesome. take a photo on the phone but cameras living on the watch feels like number one it's gonna look weird maybe a little clunky you're already trying to minimize bezels on a smartwatch. That's mm -hmm. typically the form factor you want to go for on a higher-end smartwatch. And if this is a, a dual-camera smartwatch design, that just doesn't seem like it's going to look any good. I'll give them, like, FaceTime calling. Like, okay, sure, that might actually be something. Like, maybe you're just, like, quickly at the store and you want to, like... I still don't get why people FaceTime like at the store or at the gym always really confuses me, but yeah. I'll give it that. Facebook is attempting to connect people through video with Portal like we saw, so this would be another one. The camera on the back just, it makes no sense, but I cannot wait to see people in the wild. I'm trying uh, to picture. Filming with it. Yeah, I don't, I see, I do see lots of FaceTimes just like out in I've the wild. I've seen it in like the gym locker room before. I've seen it in the gym. I've it's seen it. I've seen people driving while that, FaceTiming. Yeah, that's a huge. If like, anyone does that on this podcast, I'm very upset with you. Yeah, I'm disappointed. I've I've seen that through people's windows. I've seen people FaceTiming just walking around in the streets, which is it could happen. I guess that's fine. But um, there is almost no reason I can think of why someone would want the camera to be on their wrist. And by Facebook of all companies. Exactly. I think that's what the next thing we're kind of getting at here is like, if there's, I have not seen anyone really use the portal. And I think we all know why, because why would you just voluntarily put a camera and microphone connected to Facebook in your home? Now, why would you take it one step closer and just put it on your wrist and now is potentially tracking all your health all stuff as well? Like, am I going to start getting <laughs> blood pressure medication on my Facebook ads if I start wearing this oh. or like... That feels like a invasion of privacy, but if we all know Facebook's motto, it's pretty much we're invading your privacy. Yeah, so. like if you if you go all the way to the extreme, like if Facebook could have it their way, they they announce a watch, it's got sensors on it, cameras on it, connects to your Facebook account. You know how like the uh, Oculus Quest, you need a Facebook, you needed a Facebook yeah, account. Yeah. Um, this would be the same way, like you need a Facebook account oh, to have this sure. watch, and then it would just sell it would just give all your information back to facebook to help target ads better and make a better facebook product that if they could have it their way i'm sure that's what happened yeah. you would start getting ads based on like things the watch <laughs> notices about you things you've said around the watch i'm just imagining like every weird uh like medicine commercial we're used to seeing in the u.s and just like now that coming up and being like does, does my watch know something I don't? Why am I getting ads for like high blood pressure or something like that? Oh. I was just thinking about this also. This is one of the one of the most impressive things about the Apple Watch is how much it knows about you and mm -hmm. doesn't relay back to Apple. 
like there's a bunch of locally collected information and a bunch of like Apple values privacy, at yeah. least in mm -hmm. that way where they'll keep a bunch of stuff on device. Um, but this watch knows a lot about me with all the sensors and all the oh, heart yeah. rate information and the exact times that I go to sleep and wake up every day and like all of this, you know, you know, blood glucose measuring is one of the rumors. They're going to have all these other sensors in the watch and it just knows so much about me that if Apple decided to flip a switch on privacy and just was like, you know what, we're just going to sell all this information, they would have a lot of information. Yeah. I, I don't know how much they could do with all that. Well, I'm sure they could do plenty with it. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. But this kind of leads me to a little fun question I have. Also, quick point. Yeah. Uh, the, the HIPAA stuff, you're not allowed yeah. to share... Uh, pub or you're not allowed to share uh, health information about people that you collect if it is a certain type of health information because that's okay. the way health information works uh, unless you sign that stuff away willingly. Which I feel like could very easily be tossed in a terms of service that you accept. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Know. We're, we're clearly speculating here, so don't take anything we're yeah. as a – take it with a grain of this salt. This is not medical advice. This is definitely not medical. Or – or the – Legal advice legal if you advice. are trying to collect people's data. Or we financial advice. <laughs> um, but we had a quick little question, or like a couple of us were saying, like, what would you have, like, how good would the Facebook watch have to be for you to be okay with wearing something made by Facebook on your wrist all the time? Because, like, we always talk about Apple watches just so far ahead. There aren't a lot of Android watches. I mean, yes, there are Android watches that people like, but I think we can all agree there is not one over-the-top clear winner android watch there's no match just, to the apple watch yeah, exactly so what would this have to do for you to be like all right mark okay are we assuming it has to have the cameras on it <laughs> you want to take the cameras off i'm just thinking, yeah let's like, assume it has to have the cameras on it because so, like you're we're saying how good does this have to be for basically you to have a total invasion of privacy yeah basically uh i'm if i just go right to the top and it's literally an apple watch made by facebook with two cameras on it i still wouldn't want it and like pairs equally as well with all of your yeah, non-Apple products. The Apple Watch exists, and mm -hmm. I would just pick that over this every so time. So this has to be something better than the Apple it Watch. It has to be better than the Apple Watch in some way. It, mm -hmm. it would have to have like, I don't know, like some insane, highly technical, like maybe the battery life is a month, and it does all the stuff the Apple Watch does, battery and it's super responsive. I just don't, I don't think there's anything they can do to make me want this smartwatch it's hard. I if think this is this is turning more into like make your dream smartwatch and then still not want it because it's connected to Facebook. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think the first thing I would want, I would want it to look like a real watch. I'd like the style aspect of it to be better. Mm -hmm. um, look like a real watch. I would want it to be super thin, but like you said, crazy battery life. I still am a little upset at how thick a lot of smartwatches are. And I mean, watches are pretty thick in general as well. But Batteries are thick. Um, yeah, batteries are thick. It, it's hard. But again, I really don't want Facebook on my wrist either. So <laughs> yeah, let's make it hard for yeah, me. Yeah, I think it's it's probably not going to be. Yeah, great. Facebook, if you're listening, take a lot of notes on what happened to the cha cha. <laughs> Just remember the remember. The I'm name. sure they will never forget that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the the biggest thing here is I cannot wait to see people filming with their watch. That sounds hilarious. There needs to be an Instagram page dedicated to like people of Walmart, but people filming with a Facebook watch. I'd, I'd follow that in a heartbeat. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> we were going to talk about Windows 8 a little bit. That no, is, Windows or 11. Windows 11. Windows 11. Sheesh. <laughs> this is... Talk about Internet Explorer. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, Windows 11's gotten leaked a little bit. We're gonna ex we're expecting to see officially Windows 11 stuff pretty soon. June 24th, I think, is their event. Okay, so it's coming right up. But uh, do you have any thoughts on what we've seen so far yeah, with let's, Windows uh, 11 leaks? I'll describe it quickly because, like, I mean, people have almost the full version. There's a couple things not quite working, but I think the main difference we see, and with most browsers, is, like, how does it look on your desktop? Like, what has changed there? And the main thing they've done here is cleaning up the toolbar on the bottom and centering it. And then when you hit that start menu, the start menu is now also centered and it's, oh. it's pinned apps. It's all app based kind of on the top. And then at the bottom has a couple recent files, recent folders, stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's much different and it very much is kind of going along the same design pattern as like Mac OS or Chrome OS, which is just center based big app buttons, it, it feels like it's going more towards like a, almost a mobile platform. I don't know uh, why centering it bothers me so much. It does. Luckily, you can go back to left align. Um, okay. For me, Windows, I'm just so used to left align and like maybe that's the old person in me. Uh, I'm sure most people who like Windows like it well, because everyone's, they're used to it. Every version has it's always, always been, like, been left aligned. Always, always, always been like that as far as I can remember. Um, hmm. And yeah, it looks weird in the middle to me, but maybe that's just me not being ready for change. Um, I've always, I've always kind of liked that Windows felt a little more like file-based and a little less user-friendly. But if we're being honest, that's because we're nerds, and most people would probably enjoy this better. It's much, it's much easier. It's much cleaner. Apps are like super big and easy to see, and they're all just right in the middle. So. I get it. Yeah, to me, honestly, desktop OSs have always been and probably always should be pretty boring. Mm -hmm. Like I, I do my file management and I move things around and I use the programs, but the OS itself doesn't really need to do that much for mm -hmm. me. It yeah. just needs to look good and clean and simple and work the way I intuitively expect it to. Like Mac OS versus Windows to me is not that exciting of a debate because I could I could use either. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, do you move the window controls to the left or the right? Like, do you move mm -hmm. the menu bar to the top or keep it on the window? Like, small details are are sort of minimal, but at the end of the day, it's about the programs I'm running on the OS yeah, that yeah. I care way more about. So, Windows 11 is is cool and it's exciting. I'm sure for some people, I heard there's a new startup sound, uh, which is neat. <laughs> yeah, there is one. Um, I'm sure Adam can add that in. It's in this article we have, which I'll also post in the show notes because it has a lot of pictures. I do have, there's a photo in here with it left aligned. I do think it being back on the left side, I think it looks better than Windows 10. It's a little more compact. I like that the search bar is a button that you press and I'm assuming expands into the search bar rather than Windows 10 just had the search bar there already mm -hmm. all the time. Um, but I do enjoy that. There's a couple little other things. There's like some new on the maximize button, some new ways to structure windows into pre-planned places. And yep, that's what an OS is. Yep. That's, Simple. Yeah, not too much. I think there's some new Xbox console stuff on here. Um, but yeah, June 24th should be the announcement for all of it. My favorite thing about this was um, Tom Warren's video where he opened up the notifications panel on the side mm -hmm. and he took his mouse and he just slid over and just dismissed the notifications by sliding Mac yeah. OS. Craig, hmm. take some notes, baby. Ooh, there it's are good stuff. Two more quick things: rounded corners, just a design change, and then widgets, which I did want to talk about. I actually thought widgets weren't really a thing anymore, but I looked it up, and apparently you can do them on Windows 10. But I really think Vista just left such a sour taste in everyone's mouth that I don't know a single person that uses Windows widgets anymore. 
Um, do you remember those? I do. I remember actually really looking forward to Windows Vista because wasn't I, that right after XP? I think everyone did because it was like yeah, it, was it was a pretty dramatic XP. change, super dramatic change, like very, very visual. 3D. Yeah, because yeah. we had XP for a while and it was flat and it was o- opaque and we had all these like very clear, well defined aesthetic looks and then vista was like this translucent like glassy thing and it was going to be so new and fresh and modern and so i was really looking forward to vista i remember wanting a new gpu just specifically so i could have this great vista experience uh and it was it was all right it was all right yeah it was like very bubbly you felt like you were uh do you know that uh What's that board game with the in the middle? I think it's called Trouble, where it has like that big bubble with the dice inside it, and you press it. Oh, God. Like that's what the buttons, like the yeah. start button, felt like on Vista. And then the widgets were just so bad; they were just all these like three D circular look terrible. They've always been weird. Even over. on uh, on Mac OS for the longest time, you had a dashboard thing where you could just swipe in a bunch of widgets, and they're just you just have a calculator and a weather widget and just a bunch of random widgets that you could. Be just great if have, they put that on iPad, but uh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, desktop OS, keep it simple. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll look forward to seeing Windows 11. I think we'll take a we'll take a little break and we'll come back and we'll talk Tesla Model S Plaid. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from NetSuite, and that's exactly what NetSuite provides, support. But what they really provide is support where you need it because no one needs help where they don't need it. So NetSuite wants to provide you with products and services that are tailor-made for your business. Help where you need it. NetSuite is a top-rated cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math, see how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks, so head to netsuite.com slash waveform. That's netsuite.com slash waveform, netsuite.com slash waveform. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI power gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. 
You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you, you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. All right, so let's talk about Tesla's latest event, their latest product, and their latest situation with Plaid Model S and X. So yeah. that's the latest is Tesla's Model S and X, their higher-end vehicles, now have a Plaid version. And they're, they're both essentially getting refreshed entirely. So there's a new long-range Model S, I'll focus on Model S, and a, and a Plaid Model S. Mm -hmm. Long-range Model S is dual motor, will get about 400 miles of range, and will do 0 to 60 in 3.1 seconds, I think. And then Plaid Model S is triple motor, and they have this immense focus on that powertrain and that performance, and it'll do 390 miles, which is pretty dang impressive, and zero to 60 in 1.99 seconds, asterisk. We'll get to that. So okay. generally, the biggest thing actually here to me is the interior refresh. Yeah. That's like really what happened with this car is mm -hmm. there's a new interior. Have you seen it? You've seen the Yeah, the I think, I mean, clearly the yoke is the biggest thing. It's something we all thought we didn't really think was gonna happen. There's definitely been past episodes where we said we didn't think that was gonna yeah. actually ship with that, but it is. Um, oh man, what do I think of it? Uh, and isn't the other big difference kind of, it's the horizontal screen now yeah. rather than the vertical screen. I like that a lot. I mean, there's a bunch of new stuff. I I'll, get... I'll just go down the list, honestly, because there's a lot. Okay. Um, I think we'll start with the yoke, right? So I've yeah. seen, so they, they announced the plaid car originally then we got this first deliveries event where they delivered the first 25 of them. So now they're officially out in the wild. It's happening. There's real people driving them. They have the yoke wheel and they will continue uh, deliveries from here. So there's a lot of inter interior changes that match Model 3 and Model Y. They've mm -hmm. got the new ventless invisible air conditioner system. Okay. They've got uh, the new door handles from Model 3 and Model Y. They've got the oh. wireless chargers up front that are now actually built in right under the screen. And they've switched to a horizontal screen with a new software version. But the one thing that is definitely different and new and catching eyes is the yoke steering wheel. Yeah. And uh, for those who don't know what a, the yoke steering wheel is, it's imagine a steering wheel where you sort of square it up a little bit instead of being a totally round wheel. And then just go ahead and chop the top half of it off. Just yeah. take the top half of that square steering wheel and just pop it off. And that yoke that you have left, that's what's going on. Not only that, 
but there are no stocks on the steering wheel column. Yeah. Bigger deal than you think, because that's where your oh, yeah. drive selector usually is, swipping, switching into reverse or park. That's where your blinkers usually are. That's where your windshield wipers usually are. That's where your autopilot select usually is. That's where your headlights usually are. All of that gone. Now buttons on the steering wheel or controls on the touchscreen. Mm -hmm. So how do yeah, we feel that, about that? I mean, that? there's a lot of, <laughs> how do we feel about these 50 different things? Okay, I'll yeah. start with, if I'm just going to go the general yoke steering wheel, I think it clearly catches eyes. It is clearly a great press photo. It's clearly a great, what car is that? What is that steering wheel when you're walking through a parking lot or something? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Like, looks really, really cool. Functionality-wise, I mean, I don't want to make the biggest judgment without using it, but I cannot see myself enjoying it. Yeah. I think it's going to be very hard to get used to. I, I mean... There's a reason a wheel has been on a car for so long because there's so many points of contacts when you're making these big U-turns or K-turns or turning around in a parking lot or something like that. I mean, for example, there's a video posted of a guy turning, it literally he pulls into a parking lot and then tries to make a U-turn to come out. And as he's going like really awkwardly hand over hand to try and, and make the full 360 turn, he's like hitting the horn button and like <laughs> all sorts of different things are going on and it just looks really awkward so i believe they use yoke steering wheels for like f1 races mm -hmm. but that makes sense because the the amount of turning they're doing while they're doing a lot of turning they're not doing like really really aggressive big turns and like full yeah. 180s 360s stuff like that yeah the the turns you do on a racetrack are maybe 45 degrees tops where the turns you do in real life are much more mm -hmm. exaggerated um yeah very often too like you do that all the time. I was thinking about that as I drove here today because my natural resting place on the steering wheel is actually typically sort of acceptable for a yoke. But the second I wanted to do my turns, I realized I, I move the wheel between my hands while yeah. my hand, I would I would have been grabbing air basically. Mm -hmm. And so I'm seeing these videos now of the, you know, the first ones are out in the wild and there's people driving them. And I'm like, this is classic Tesla of completely ignoring standards because the only reason they're standards is because we've been doing them for so long. The, the first thing that I that comes to mind with this is how Model 3 doesn't have a screen behind the steering wheel. Every car anyone's ever owned has had a screen behind the steering wheel or some way of seeing your speed behind the steering wheel, right? Most of them. My first car ever was a Saturn Ion and the speedometer was above the radio in the middle. Very uh, similar to where it would be for like a Model 3. That's hilarious. It is now, really funny. So the Model 3 puts it over on the right side yeah. of, of your vision. But the only reason that we're all used to the steering, this, the speedometer being like right behind the steering wheel is because that's where we've trained our glance to be. If you're looking at the road, you just train your glance to be right below. You have to leave the road to look at your speed and look back. And I found that the more I drove Model 3 and Model Y for that matter, the more I just trained my glance to be 45 degrees to the right instead of like straight down. So it actually didn't seem that bad. It was just this small learning curve where fine, Tesla can get away with doing something different because it's actually it's fundamentally not that different. And so I'm thinking about this yoke, like is this gonna be the same thing where I'm just gonna get used to the buttons on the wheel, I'm gonna get used to my horn and my blinkers and my my headlights being buttons on the wheel. Mm -hmm. Just because there were stocks before doesn't mean they had to be stocks. They're right at your fingertips. Of course, it should be easier, it's faster. And I, I feel like I'm just gonna have to try it to understand. I don't think there's any way for me to watch enough videos to go, oh, here's what the learning curve would be. I think I just have to drive it. It's 
it's way more to get used to. Uh, like glancing over to the right is a much smaller, easier thing to get used to. I also weirdly found it when I used to drive my old car, like being someone who's tall. And if you sit in a position where your steering wheels at a certain place, if I were to have my speedometer right in front of me, I would block the speedometer with the steering wheel True. all the time because I'm like looking so hard down. Um, not but with like, the yoke. Yeah, now it's, well, yeah, not with the yoke. <laughs> but like the yoke is so much to change. Like, especially people who have been driving for years, like you just get so used to, I mean, how many, how often do you do the thing where you like, you'd spin the wheel and then you like have your hand on the wheel and you just kind of loosen it and it spins through your hand. Actually, but like at any point you can grab it and yeah. now you're ready to go. Like that is literally impossible on the yoke. Right. I know a lot of people who do that and I, I don't personally do it, but I've seen it a lot. This is, I you feel have a like, lame driving instructor because it's the coolest thing to do. Oh, they, they hate when you do that though. When you, when oh, you do, do that, they? yeah, they're like, don't <laughs> let the wheel open. I was just palm. A bad joke. Yeah, yeah, no. They're like, definitely hold the wheel. Right, You're so you, had a, to, you had a strict driving exactly. instructor. Exactly. I had okay. them do the textbook way. But I feel like the squareness of the wheel would, would also hurt you sliding it through your hands because it's going to, you yeah, hit an angle. Yeah. I, a lot of times I drive with like one hand, when I'm like on a big highway that's straight, I have like one hand kind of at the bottom. And I think the fact that, the wheel is circular at the bottom. If I'm doing it in the middle, it's very easy to just turn on the the mm -hmm. point of the axis where it's square on there. I'm, I'm sure you can do it, but I feel like it might take a little more force because it's a little less natural to move a square on a circular axis than it is to move a circle on a circular axis. Right. Yeah. And you can change the, the steering weight and all that to be sport oh, yeah. heavier or comfort if okay. it's a little lighter, but I'd like to try it. I yeah. think the buttons are going to be harder to get used to, though. Um, I That's the part that's interesting to me. I think that's going to be the easiest part to get used to. I think that I've gotten so used to driving with stocks that I just know how to go to drive in reverse, and I know how to get my blinkers and my wipers. And I think I'm going to start driving a Plaid Model S and get really used to the buttons, and then going back to a regular car will feel weird because I have to reach further to do all of these things where I was doing them on the screen and on the steering wheel before. I think that's just me speculating. Mm -hmm. Also, wipers, screen. Don't like that. That doesn't that. seem great. Yeah. Um, but There's too often you have that like in-between wipe. That's just like, I don't want this on all the time, but I just need like a quick- A single, I think that's what the, what the button is. The button's a single wipe? Yes. Oh, is it automatic wiper other than that? I think so. Okay, maybe that's not as bad. I don't know. I like I like being able to control things like that. Automatic stuff usually- Usually isn't great. It's a little finicky, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know about the buttons. As, as someone who's like, I have all my media controls on, my, on the steering wheel on my car. And generally, if I want to do anything other than like volume up, volume down- I still look at it really quickly. Yeah. And I've had my car for almost 10 years at this point. Yeah. So like, I don't know, you're not using it as much as a blinker. It still feels kind of strange. I also would kind of expect the, well, obviously this doesn't happen on the stock, but a blinker, left blinker on the left side, right blinker on the right side, mm -hmm. like make it a little easier. Like the most common thing should be the closest to your thumbs on the steering wheel. I so mean, that's not the way right the stocks left. were. It's not, but that's just like one finger up down. Yeah. I mean, same and, with and, the but button. That goes with, yeah, I guess. Technically, I guess. Yeah. It's it's interesting. It's I just going to be weird. Tough. But yeah, there's just so many instances of Tesla changing little things where you're like, I guess we've gotten used to it a certain way over time and this is different and it will require a learning curve. But maybe if this is the first car you ever drive, it probably won't be a Plaid Yeah, I'm sure that's S, what they're going for is like something along the lines of like people will get used to this and it'll, it'll yeah. become intuitive. I feel like 
both of them together is going to be a really steep learning curve for a lot of people. And there's going to be a lot of Model S drivers using their blinkers really poorly or making really bad K-turns on roads. Um, yeah, that's the one thing. Okay, so the automatic drive selecting. Oh, man. Oh, oh yeah. This, is, this, to me, is actually probably a little too far. I would have liked to have seen a stock for this. So here's what's supposed to happen. And Elon basically explained it on stage, but says that the Model S and X refresh will guess what you're going to do when you get to stopped and, and which, which direction you want to go, forward or reverse. So if you're, there are a bunch of instances where it seems very straightforward. I back into a parking spot and I park. When I get into that car, I'm going to go forward, sure. right? Let's say I go forward into a parking spot. There's a barrier in front of me. I get into that car, hit the brakes. It's just going to go in reverse for me because it knows. I feel like even with this example, you've already hit a snag. Backing into the spot, it's well, going I'll get to there. guess. To, okay, okay. Yeah. So there are there are instances where it's pretty obvious what you're going to want to do. If I pull up to a like a if I go to. I was going to say parallel park, but that's another one. I don't know what it's going to do. <laughs> uh, but if I just go pull up to something where there's a wall in front of me and I'm going to make a three-point turn, I'll pull up to the thing in front of me. It will automatically switch to reverse. I'll back up, and then I'll, it'll automatically switch to forward when I stop backing up, and I'll exit that turn without having to touch anything, and it will have just done its job for me. That's something we're assuming with, like, curbs on it, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it can see when you pull to a stop, it's like, now you've arrived at something in front of you, we're going to switch you to reverse, and it just does it for you. Okay. So there's a couple where it looks like it makes sense, but then there's a the question of, like, I want to parallel park. Oh, yeah. I pull Can't up imagine. to a car next to me. I pull up to a stop. Is it going to know I want to parallel park? Will it automatically reverse for me? Because it still sees a street in front of you. Yeah, it sees like I just pulled up next to a car like at a stoplight. Why would I want to reverse? Mm -hmm. I'll keep going forward. So I'm going to have to manually switch that, I'm pretty sure. And then, and then it's using the autopilot system to know where the obstacles are. So obviously if there's something in front of you, you want to go backwards. And if there's something in, uh, you know, in back of you, you want to go front, most likely. Um, <laughs> and then it'll, 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 it will adapt to your uh, to to your needs. So if it sees that you're always doing, uh, this, you know, you're changing to reverse or forward in particular situations, it'll try to remember that um, and ge geocode it to that location. So then you it'll you won't have to do it in the future. Um, there is auto park on these cars, but there's like a whole bunch of other weird, finicky human guessing situations where I feel like you're just gonna have to do it manually. So I've already assumed. I'm going to be manually overriding this all the time. Oh yeah. So my question was, how easy is the manual override? And it's this like one inch wide slot on the left side of the touchscreen. You swipe forward to go to drive, you swipe backward or down to go to reverse, and you hit the corner to go to park. Seems okay, not as good as a stock. No. Seems okay. Uh, a stock is literally just right there, like just popping into drive, popping into reverse. Everyone knows how to do that, it's super easy. And I saw someone in a video sort of demo it like, oh, yeah, it just kind of feels like a stock. Like you just flip it up to go forward and flip it down. And then he missed and then he swiped <laughs> it halfway and it went back and didn't work. And like he missed the side of the screen, like a whole bunch of questionable uh, misses on the touchscreen there. So I cannot imagine it, like parallel parking on a busy like Main Street is already like if it's busy enough and you have to pull up and then the car behind you can't get past. So it has to sit there and watch you parallel park. Cannot imagine the stress that would be induced by like having to hope this thing guesses. Also, 
Did he use the term guess in the presentation? I think he did. Yeah. The last thing I want to I'd want I like here. I would like no. Yeah. It or will predict. know. Like even if yes, it's guessing. Don't say guess. It will <laughs> decide <laughs> for you what you want to do. Like I can't wait till I'm on the road in this two-ton car guessing what I want to do next. Something that did get overlooked a lot though was uh, right below the wireless chargers. There are four physical buttons, uh, haptic buttons. Okay. I think, where you can switch between drive modes right next to the hazard button. Is that confirmed? I yes. Okay. So that seems like it may be a more reliable uh, or at least i don't know if you're it's not going to move any more than the, the thing on the touch screen but maybe if you want like a button more often you'll go to that that's the other thing i'm kind of wondering about have we like these buttons on the steering wheel is there uh are they like touch screen ish buttons or is there like a physical is enough to where i'm like kind of having some divider that I can feel between these. So I was worried about this. I okay. was asking about this in my impressions video. They are haptic buttons. They don't click at all. Yeah, but is there a differentiator before I click the button to know that I am on new button or something like that? Like, are they raised a little bit? Is there, do you know how sometimes though when it's touched, they'll put like a, a little raised piece in the middle so you can tell like, oh, I'm on the left blinker, the right blinker yeah, when they I have slide that. my finger over Yeah, it. okay, good point. So they have a little divider between the left blinker and the right blinker okay. so you know when you're on which blinker. But on the other side, like the difference between your horn and your headlights is just, you just have to press the right space. You just have to hit the right touch target. You just don't know. There's going to be a lot of Model S's honking <laughs> and you're not going to know if you just messed something up or if someone's just pressing the wrong button on the, the wheel or... People are going to think Tesla drivers are angry. Flashing my headlights was just like hitting the stock, and now it's like hitting the button on and off real quick. Oh, yeah, you have to go. <laughs> you got to hit the on off just to, just to flash. Not, Stop being a Not what I wanted. Not what I wanted. So, yeah, we'll see. I would have loved to have seen like an option for a regular steering wheel, but yeah. this is classic Tesla. They're just going to go forward with this, That's and it is what it is. Kind of the other thing, though, it's like we're talking about getting used to this. Not only are you giving people more power and more like a more intense driving potential like now you're giving them a steering wheel they're much less used to like i hope people are safe when they do this and get used to the steering wheel i mean for a straight line yoke's perfectly fine i'm yeah. sure people will launch their cars because it's clearly a new zero to 60 mm -hmm. but uh yeah yeah that's gonna so be fun out of all of this maybe the most exciting piece to me is the new performance. So of there's, course, yeah. There's a long-range version with this new interior, and there's the Plaid motor, Plaid Model S with the triple motor performance version with this new interior um, that has a 1.99 seconds 0 to 60 with one-foot rollout. So it's probably closer to 2.1 or 2.2. What does that mean as a not-car nerd? Good question. So a lot of cars measure their 0 to 60 from 0, and mm -hmm. a lot of cars measure their 0 to 60 with a one-foot rollout. Basically, a one-foot rollout means literally exactly how it sounds. The tire starts rolling, and once it's rolled out a foot, that's when they start counting the zero to 60. Um, for whatever traction reasons or whatever, there's a bunch of performance cars that that measure their zero to 60 after rollout. And hmm. so, yeah, with this little bit of rollout, you figure the car is already going like four or five miles an hour by the time it gets one foot of rollout over this tire. Uh, it is still extremely fast, yeah. but bragging rights lets them put 1.99 seconds with a foot of rollout, and that's what they chose to do well, for this car. Well, obviously, if you can go under two, you're going to pick it. But yeah, yeah, clearly, if it needs the one-foot rollout, 
it's probably not actually an under two from do you know like the average of like what cars like how many cars use zero to 60 versus roll out to 60 typically it's it's funny it's kind of like whatever they just want like a lot of performance cars use it with rollout like if you're asking about the fastest couple of zero to 60s ever measured they're all with rollout and that's fine and we kind of just accept that um but this is still faster than all of them so i guess yeah. we'll just we'll just go with it we'll just if go I with 1.99 if i were a snarky twitter account for a corporate performance car company i would make fun of all the other ones that that did use, one foot rollout. Oh, yeah. yeah. Enjoy I mean, your handicap. <laughs> yeah. Still got to beat it. But yeah, that's exactly. the other thing is so Plaid Model S has a, uh, a 200 mile an hour top speed with the right tires anyway, and is rated at 1,020 peak horsepower, which this is the this is the interesting part is like it's doing track laps now without overheating. They've figured out the heat pumps. They've done a much better job conditioning the battery to keep it doing launches and doing high-performance runs over a longer period of time without overheating. That was an issue with previous Model S mm -hmm. uh, owners, and Model 3 was already a step forward with that, so that's cool. Then they showed this chart on stage where they showed like P100D, then Model S Raven, and then the horsepower, or I think the torque output of Plaid Model S, which just kept going up. Like, it just... it seemed essentially flat at a thousand horsepower up to 200 miles an hour which is kind of scary mm -hmm. um but the the main question is are they gonna continue to improve on this for roadster like they have these carbon sleeved rotors and they have all this crazy tech to make it work um i don't know it's just like a next level performance gain for a four four-door sedan with like eight feet of storage in the back like it's yeah. crazy so i think it, that's one thing nice. people always forget is like it's so quick to like take Model S numbers and compare them to all these other like performance cars, but then remembering, I mean, this is what we made Project Love Day about. Um, yeah. If for people who don't know, we did an old Tesla video contest where we made a video about like a commercial for Tesla. We actually won it um, partially because we have a lot of fans, but the whole video is based on like a very fast car being able to do everyday activities. Yeah. Um, fun video to make, but yeah, I feel like people always forget about like how much trunk space and how much like of an everyday car a Model S is with these numbers. Yeah. So so 390 miles of range is nice. Yeah. But it's not Wait, can I say my one more my favorite part about Plaid? Yeah, go ahead. The logo on the emblem on the back. I love oh, it. The I figured... Plaid emblem. Okay. I absolutely love it. Apparently that, that plaid was just for the first 25 deliveries at the event. Those people are very lucky because that's yeah. awesome. Somebody's probably going to, I bet someone sells those. Yeah, but like, I just cool. love the Spaceballs reference um, and to put it physically on the car like that is hilarious. Yeah. I wonder if mine, very Elon. we'll figure that out later. Okay. But yeah, it says the, the just plaid text on all the others. It just says plaid? P-L-A-I-D, yeah. Is it in plaid? Nope, just uh, uh, just like the other text, those just Chrome letters. It'll just. Say I don't plaid. want one anymore. <laughs> yeah, this is a major <laughs> I detail. Totally afford it. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, this is a, this is it. So, so the the range that people were talking about. This is the the question that sort of hovered over this whole event was: Are they going to address Plaid Plus? Yeah. Because what happened before this event was maybe just as interesting as the event itself, which is Tesla had also announced and promised another car called Tesla Model S Plaid Plus that would have assumedly new battery technology, 520 miles of range, a slightly faster sub 1.99 seconds zero to 60, and about 1,100 horsepower. And everyone went, well, this car is bonkers. 
why would I get Plaid if Plaid Plus is coming out next year? I'll get Plaid Plus. Then literally hours before the event, maybe a day or two before uh, the delivery event. It was on Sunday and the event was on Thursday. Okay, so a couple it, days yeah. before the event, uh, Elon tweets, this is like official Tesla News Classic, but Elon tweets that Plaid Plus is canceled. Canceled? That's in, the first time I don't think I've ever seen a Tesla model get announced and then canceled. It was like such a weird way he did it though because it wasn't just like a tweet that says Plaid Plus is canceled. It was this thread of tweets where he says, originally, Model S goes Plaid speed this week, which is like, get everyone amped. One minute later, reply thread, Plaid Plus is canceled. No need as Plaid is just so good. So it was like a, it's canceled and then let me throw throw your scent off with something else and then a quick like zero to 60 under two seconds, quickest production car made of any kind has to be felt to be believed. So it's a very quick like, can't wait for Model S Plaid. Plaid Plus is canceled and the Plaid is going to be so good. So just like. I actually thought this was brilliant. I mean, it's a brilliant way to announce it when you kind of don't want, but of course, Tes- I feel like the Tesla community was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Did he just say it was canceled? And then like that was the n- the news for like two or three days. Yeah. And so the question is, all right, Plaid Plus is canceled. Number one, what do you mean by Plaid is just as good? Yeah. And number two, why is Plaid Plus canceled? It was going to have 500 miles of range. And I think there was a follow-up tweet essentially saying... What Elon said? Yeah. So it was actually a response to Electric, I believe. Okay. Um, and we'll post that in the show notes as well. And he said, uh, what we're seeing is that once you have a range above 400 miles, more range doesn't really matter. There are essentially zero trips above 400 miles where the driver doesn't need to stop for restroom, food, coffee, etc. anyway. I think that's a nice distraction. I totally agree with you. Uh, if you if you really read into that saying, seems like people don't really need more than 400 miles. I would argue people don't need faster than 2.5 seconds, yeah. zero to 60 either. That's a good way to, that's a really good way to put it. I didn't think of it like that. So the point is, um, we, we're using our inferencing and our context clues to imagine probably the reason Plaid Plus is canceled is because the batteries that would have been needed to create that car aren't quite available yet. They're 4680 cells, they're higher density, they're much more impressive technically, and we think they're gonna be in Cybertruck and Roadster to get those respective 500 and 600 mile rated ranges. Mm -hmm. But if we started with Plaid Plus, we're probably gonna be taking resources and, and cells away from those more important vehicles. So we'll just cancel Plaid Plus, shift all those orders to Plaid, distract them about why we're switching. You know, Plaid is good enough. It's great. Trust me. It's going to be just as good, basically the same. Um, and just sort of sweep the 200 extra miles under the rug because that was a big difference. 390 a miles. Very big difference. 390 yeah. miles is nice. I currently have like 300 miles and 390 as a max range sounds great. But 520 oh, yeah. is way, way more confidence-inspiring. That's like, literally, I could drive to North Carolina from New Jersey. I could drive probably to, like, Cleveland from here on 500 miles of range. So I would have been really excited about a car with that sort of range uh, rather than a 0.2-second faster 0 to 60. Mm -hmm. So that, to me, is a little bit interesting and concerning, but also brings up questions about... uh, well, when are we going to see cars with that type of range? Are we ever going to? If Elon keeps saying, if he sticks with this, uh, 400 miles of range isn't really necessary, then why promise 600 miles for Roadster and 500 miles for Cybertruck? 
Yeah. It's still happening. I think there's a lot of like weird things to unpack from that because like if you're saying you think it's so I I think the approach you're taking for it is the optimistic. I've seen two ways people are seeing this. Yours is the optimistic one. Like let's save these for Roadster Cybertruck coming out. We don't want those to be delayed anymore. We don't have enough for them. The other approach is these aren't ready. These cells aren't ready yet. And people don't think they're completely ready. We don't know when they're going to be ready. Is this going to mean Cybertruck Roadster get delayed further? And like, I think both. And saying they're not ready right now means they're definitely getting delayed. So he's trying to not put any of the attention onto that potentially. So yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt if it's like a kind of little of A, little of B. Like maybe the batteries are pretty close to being ready and it would just delay Plaid Plus. And then if you put Plaid out before Plaid Plus and... I don't know. It, there's a lot of speculation going on in that way. Yeah. But I do think like, I think that's really interesting. What you just said though, is like, if you're using the excuse for 400 miles right now, does that mean you're basically saying you don't think Roadster or Cybertruck should go 500 miles? Cause like you yeah. could easily make the argument that a sports, a coupe doesn't need to go 500 miles like who's going yeah. on a road trip and efficiency that? has never yeah. been a concern with sports cars so that doesn't make sense for me now Cybertruck, on the other hand like i do think there are a lot of people looking at trucks to go long distances so that makes way less sense but now are you going to bottleneck your truck because you used this excuse previously yeah or do you actually believe that which then i think is a whole nother thing where it's elon looking at numbers way too much numbers of what he has right now and then potentially limiting stuff in the future because of that. So if I just stay with my my just straight logical brain, number one, Plaid Plus was not canceled because Plaid was good enough. It was canceled, and the distraction was Plaid Plus is good enough, trust me, yes. it is, it's great. But then two, the reason that Plaid Plus is canceled is probably going to turn into a reason that Cybertruck and Roadstar are delayed. Yeah, probably. I totally agree with that. But as long as we're not talking about those yet, we don't have to talk about those mm-hmm. yet. So all the focus is on Plaid that night, and obviously it's still a very impressive car. 390 miles is only slightly less than 412 for the long range, so I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, and yeah, it's a it's an impressive car, but yeah, it's, it's just got me thinking about like how much how much longer we have to wait for Roadster. This was announced in 2017. Was it that long? 2017 is when the Roadster was announced. Jeez. So, I mean, I knew it would take a while. I think it's I think it's that they keep like talking about it or like releasing it and stuff or showing it, you know, at uh the semi truck event that gets people more and more hyped for it and then you see a pop up every once in a while, but yeah. It might take a little longer. I, I, What are your thoughts, though, on wanting more? Because it's one thing to think about 520 miles as I would like to go on a 520-mile trip, where in that singular case, I think Elon's probably right. Chances are in that 520-mile trip, you're going to take, you're not doing it straight. You're mm-hmm. taking breaks. You're taking restroom breaks. If there's a charger available at all those, then yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, I think there's, Tons of other scenarios, though, where that doesn't help in that extra range. Um, I think the the one I found the most interesting is the people who are charging their Teslas in the most efficient ways possible, which is from the most effective way to charge is lowest battery, correct, to around, what, 60% is like the really, really efficient. So now your 0 to 60% is much bigger and a way bigger range. Yep. So that means you can now drive further and still charge as efficiently as possible. 
or there are the people who maybe live in an apartment or in a condo or something that don't have a garage and a charging place at home. Now they're not charging every other day. They're charging every three or four days. Like that's so nice to not have to. I know someone with a Model Y who they live near a college and every once in a like every couple of days when they come home, they go drive onto the campus and sit in their car, charge Charged. it all the way to full. Yeah. So they're sitting there for like 45 minutes. That kind of sucks. I'll add two more uh, versions of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have basically two types of road trips that I do. One would be like visiting family and two would be for an ultimate trip. One for visiting family, it'll be, here's the destination. It's this many miles away. You're going to drive there. You're going to park there for a couple of days and then you're going to drive home. Mm -hmm. It would be nice to not have to stop at all. Meaning drive there, park it for a couple of days and then drive all the way home. And so no, if even if it is only a 250-mile road trip, if I had 500 miles of range, I would not have to charge, and I would just come all the way home. If it's obviously a much less range, I'm going to have to charge at some point. Mm -hmm. The other version is going to ultimate. So literally, you're going to go drive somewhere, park for a couple hours, and then drive home. Uh, this is for a game, not a tournament. But the point is, I just really don't want to have to stop yeah, <laughs> at all. Even if it's 400, 300, 200 miles, I want to go there, not stop, not just go about my day, go about my weekend, and then drive home. And the more battery, obviously, you have, the more likely you are to be able to do that. There's something also to be said that, like, yes, there are a lot of superchargers, but as he says, stopping for food, coffee, and stuff like that, like, that's a valid excuse for stopping and getting to top off, but you don't always get to choose the food that's at these places. So, like, We've done a couple of stops. One time we stopped and there was a great burger place and we all sat down, had a burger, it charged a ton because we were really enjoying the food. Then there's like, like I'm really hungry and you stop and it's a gas station with like a subway and like, or like really the back disgusting of a mall restrooms. Yeah. Like or some random, it's yeah. Not something you want to eat or you never know. Like if you want to take it one step further, if you have dietary restrictions and one of these fast food places doesn't cater to that very well cool, now you're just sitting in the car. So that's that's when it starts getting to the point where gas is better. I like your theory of if you can do 500 miles, you're probably going further than quite a few gas cars. Now you're getting the advantages over gas cars. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So I'll end it with this before we take a quick break. I think if Elon's uh, main goal with cars like this is to give the full smackdown to gas powered yeah. cars, you want to give them every single reason across the board is better than a gas car. Better zero to 60, better technology, better traction, better safety, better comfort, better torque, better everything. If you can also give them better range, that's not a small detail. No, People I, will definitely notice being able to go twice as long as far as days between filling up, whether it was gas or electric, that's going to matter. So I'd argue it's the biggest hurdle from gas to EV. Easy. I don't think anyone's doubting that EV has better specs and just like potential yeah. and just pure drivetrain, but like, uh, What's it called? Range anxiety is like easily the biggest thing stopping people from switch. So why are you limiting yourself already? Yeah. Uh, it seems kind of confusing to me. So as long as there's less superchargers and gas stations, keep making that range longer. Mm -hmm. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we got to talk. I want to talk a little bit about I3. Yeah. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. 
That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we got to talk about this BMW i3. Yeah. So first of all, why are we talking about the i3? Well, uh, I'm currently testing the i3 with range extender for a column I'm doing for Top Gear. If you haven't already seen, I've been reviewing a bunch of EVs and high-tech cars for a Top Gear column. I think it's called Hard Drive. It's a fun one. I mean, if you don't watch or read the Top Gear magazine, check it out. Um, so the latest uh, after the F-150 Lightning will be this. And so they get the car here in our, in our hands for a couple days, and inevitably there's like a first impression. We check mm -hmm. out the car. A lot of them are really cool. The i3 with range extender has been very puzzling to me <laughs> in a lot of ways because honestly i'm trying to think all right what's the target demographic like where does this fit into the ev landscape we know what the competition is we know what the price is i'm just going to give you a couple quick headliners about this car yeah and then a let's question. paint a picture okay this car cost fifty thousand dollars with $10,000 of options. So it's 60 grand. So right off the bat, you can picture other cars that are also right around 60 grand. Then it is a compact form factor. So it's it's a much smaller than most oh, yeah. of the other cars. It's uh, It's got an electric motor and a battery that can give you about 175 miles when full. And then it has a three-cylinder engine and a two-gallon gas tank as your range extender. So you drive around on pure electric until you run out. And if you ever do run out, you can drive around as a gas car. It gets around 35 miles a gallon for a total of 70 miles on gas. And that's the i3. <laughs> it's a smaller. So because it is so small, the back seat is very small. The trunk is very small. The front trunk I'm not even exaggerating. I don't think I could fit all three of these cameras in the front trunk. No, especially <laughs> because it has like it's that. Like a it backpack. has a couple things inside it already. Because it has an engine. It has an engine yeah, yeah, and yeah. a gas tank and a battery and the electric drive fan. So it's got all this stuff in this very small place. And so it's turned into like, uh, all right, I have 60 grand to spend on a car. Why would I pick this one? Yeah. And I don't think I know the answer. Do you, you want to like take a quick... Uh quick roll through like our impressions when we first got into it. It's just like, let's try and sure. let people imagine this car a yeah. little better. I mean, if you haven't seen an i3, um, you know, it's a BMW. So it's got, it's got the, the, the grill. It's got the little, <laughs> the nostrils on the front. Yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a black and white two tone, pretty modern looking car. A lot of glass, a little split sunroof going on. I don't mind the design for the size. I think the yeah. size is weird, but I don't mind the design. It's like weirdly tall. So it's kind of looking like a little minivan, but very mini. It has a very like, do you know those Hot Wheel cars that just like never really had correct proportions? So like- It's got it, big wheels. It's got big wheels, but the front is just like so squished, but it looks like it should be bigger, but it's on this small car. Yeah. There's like kind of this weird window line where the back window is like lower than the 
front driver's side window and mm-hmm. or the front door windows. Um, and it's just like very flat back hatchback. It didn't have a bad amount of room in the back for what it was. Not for, great. Yeah. Um, then you get inside it and it's like, I mean, it's BMW, so it's going to be nice quality inside. The majority of the inside, minus this one paneling on the back doors, which was kind of weird, is like pretty high quality. It has some weird design choices. Um, the this stock is this like gigantic. Yeah. How, how do you describe that? It, it's like, like a growth out of the steering column. Yeah. yeah it, like it would be like holding like a, a camera lens with like a nub on it to change. Like you have to put your entire hand around it in order to change gears on it. Yeah. Um, it has some nice like blue accents and everything. I Like again, I don't think the design is off. It just feels, but, and then the steering wheel feels despite how short the front of the car is, you feel like you're sitting like in the middle of the car rather than the yeah. front of the car and like really controlling it. You feel really far back, which that was is my, really strange. That was my number one driving takeaway is like, oh, there's like really nice visibility and these windows are really big, but there's a lot of car in front of me and not a lot of car behind me. I think I'm in the middle of the car, mm-hmm. which is like that's an unusual feeling yeah. for a four-door car, technically. Well, not, uh, I don't even, would you? It's four-door, yeah. They call it when it does, so it has the type of door where you the back door is like almost a half door where like you have to open the front door and then the handle is on the inside yeah. and you open it similar to trucks that aren't like full cab trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you call that something a little different. You can't get in without opening the first door. So I, cons- yeah. I consider it a, a four door because you can't get in the back seat. Okay. But yeah, it is a small door. I think sure. the um, there's like the Hyundai Veloc. Velostar? Yeah. yeah. I think they call that a three-door technically. Well, that only had a third door. It has, it's sim. Oh, no, that. It didn't have one on both sides. Oh, yeah, that had that way. Yeah. That's con- very confusing. So I, I, I give it four-door status. It's just very compact, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Um. So you have 60 grand. Yeah. You have it to spend on some sort of new car. Why, why would you, why would you pick this one? Because <laughs> okay. it's, okay, 60 grand for context. New Model Y. Performance Performance Model, Model Y. Model y. <laughs> um, that's going to give you much more range. That's going to give you about 300-ish miles of range. That's going to give you much better performance. This thing isn't a slouch, but it's no performance car, right? Yeah. It's it, uh, smaller wheels. It's It's got a sport mode. I would guess it's going to give me about a five and a half second, zero to 60. It was like a zippy car when you're rolling, so like merging would be great in it, but there was literally a time where we went and tried to go from zero to 60, and you like... <laughs> It was comical how bad it took to like go. Like mm-hmm. we all heard you slam your foot down, kind of had a second to look at each other, and then it started going. Yeah, and it, it was, was like a. It was bad. It's like if you were in like a CRV. Like when you slam on the the gas, you're not expecting to get rocketed no. forward. Like it's gonna, it'll go. Oh, you want to go faster now? Give me a second, and then it'll start moving forward. So like, yeah, it's nimble and it's zippy. It's got a tight turning radius, but like it's not a performance car. So. So Model Y is going to give you, and I'm just using Model Y as an example, but mm-hmm. much longer range on electric, no gas tank, much, much more storage, oh, yeah. much bigger performance, much more features just as far as software and autopilot and speaker system and all this stuff. And so you have to want to get this i3, you've got to want either something really compact You've got to, or you've got to want a BMW specifically, or you've got to really, really want for some reason a plug-in hybrid that has a gas tank. 
even though it's worse mileage. I still don't mileage. know what to call it. It like doesn't really feel like a plug-in hybrid, but it also doesn't really feel like an EV. I'm like, I'm trying to paint the picture of the person getting this, and I'm imagining <laughs> someone who lives in New York City and has an awful parking spot. Sure. So they want a compact car. Yep. They only trust legacy car makers, so they don't trust new things, so they can go Actually, with BMW. I think you can. I think you can stop at just wants a good compact EV. Yeah, but I want to get really narrow with this. Well, because I, I just there is no other. I want to paint the picture of the person who loves this. Who is want, obsessed oh, with this car? Yeah, I'm just. There is no other good compact EV, so sure. I, yeah, I'll yeah. give it credit for that specific achievement but it's still not great yeah i mean it would have to be someone with money to spend because 60 grand is not cheap for a car by any means um you would need like i still think the interior is pretty solid but nothing like to blow 60 grand on so there's that i mean maybe if, if you live in the city having the compact car range doesn't matter that much but it still helps to have that little kick if you're like uh on one of the, the expressways around New York City and you need to like zip over a lane or something like that. And then like somebody who has, is just getting into the EV world but still has range anxiety. So you have this little reservoir of gas in there. It's also, so you funny. don't carry anything or or any of your friends are over 5'11". Yeah, yeah. Like range, it's funny. If you live in the city and you can get away with a bigger car like a Model 3, which is not that big, but it's, you, you almost never have range anxiety because you have 250 plus miles of range and superchargers. I feel like you'd have more range anxiety with a tiny electric battery and a two gallon gas tank. Wait, uh, but are there a lot of superchargers in New York City? Enough that you could go around the city a thousand times with them, yeah. There's plenty in the city that cover the actual radius of the city. Mm-hmm. And if you have 250 miles of range, you can always get to a supercharger in New York City. You only have to drive four miles to get to one pretty much anywhere in the city. Hmm. So here's a question that's kind of off the BMW topic, but mm-hmm. I saw a, a video today and I know is an exaggerated version of it, but there was a supercharger outside of a Disneyland, I believe, and somebody was going to get in line for it. And the line was like literally like 30 cars deep. Mm-hmm. Does that happen fairly? Like I could see that happening in New York City. I've never experienced that on the East Coast. Okay. I've seen it on the West Coast yeah. because there are way more Teslas specifically on the West Coast. Yeah, yeah. That being said, uh, I have only waited in line once for a supercharger and that was on like a weekend in the morning where I guess a lot of people are driving and it was a, a New Jersey like going south there's like six chargers and there's a Dunkin' Donuts right there and everyone was just chilling. It's probably down to the shore or something. Like but that, I, yeah. I do see some pretty serious backups on the West Coast where there will be like 12 chargers and like 12 cars waiting while everyone else is charging. That sounds and like a that nightmare. that is not great. That can give you that anxiety where you're like, am I going to get to this charger and it's going to be full or, you know, a yeah, long wait? Because if you don't have enough range to make it to another charger... You're you now wait. potentially waiting like hours you to wait. get filled. That's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. So I no, I haven't experienced that yet on okay. the on the East Coast. But yeah, New York City, plenty of chargers, plenty of space, plenty of range. If you I'm trying to think like, okay, what if you want a compact car, <laughs> you live in the city, you want something small, but you don't care about it being an EV, you could get any number of compact cars. Oh, if you don't care about it being an EV, then this is Pointless. Yeah, so you have to, for some reason, want a compact EV. Sort of, but it has gas. But it has gas. (laughs) But you can get the one. You can get the one that's not a range extender. Okay. Okay. Anyway, 
yeah, look forward to the column on Top Gear magazine. It's just like a, a quirky car. I've really so you can considered, tell it's going to be a glowing review. Yeah, yeah it's obviously this will be very positive. I was just trying to think like, should I make a video about this car at all? It's no. not really that interesting, other than just the conundrum of like, who would buy this? Um, and we're we we're asking at the studio like, all right, what price would it have to be to actually want to buy an i3 with 170 miles of range and a two gallon gas tank? And we landed at like. 25 20 i don't <laughs> think i would even pay 20 i didn't even pay 25 for my car right now and i would take it over this oh day really day. Yeah. yeah yeah i don't i don't think i'd want this car no it's, I, it's neat but i wouldn't choose it if somebody wanted something like this so much so bad it would make more sense for like smart car to come out with something like this and not have a million features like bmw would and mm-hmm. just be totally on board with this is a compact car with not a lot of range and a zv and it'll do the things you need for a compact car i will say while I do feel way safer in my car, I do feel safer in this than a smart car. <laughs> yeah. There is a little more of a bubble around me. This in thing the I3. does feel kind of like a tank for how small it is. It, it is. It's very, lo- uh, center of gravity is very low because of, I guess, you know, there's batteries in there and obviously there's a lot of low weight, but it does feel safer than a smart car. So I'll give it credit for that. Yeah. I would never say I felt unsafe in this despite how small it is. So I guess yeah. that's kind of one perk. There you go. We yeah. said something nice about it. Good looks. Good looks, I3. I think that's a good place to end it, being yeah, positive. I think so. uh, anyway, all right. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Waveform. Check out the Top Gear column when it comes out. If you get the magazine, check out the. If we do get the plaid somewhere around here soon, we hope to make an impressions video for and sure, check it out yeah. in person. Um, and by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to the Waveform YouTube channel, definitely do that here. There's also a clips channel where we're uploading, of course, the smaller, more interesting sections of the podcast for you to check out those clips. So there's two YouTube channels for you to subscribe to, both linked below and from the main MKBHD channel. Other than that, this has been a fun one. Stay tuned. Maybe Roadster will come out someday. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys later. Waveform is produced by Adam Molina. We are partnered with Studio 71 and our intro-outro music was created by Vane Sill. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.